1: And today we are dishing about soy. We are gonna be busting some myths on soy. But first, what's up, Gina?
0: <laughs> oh geez, so much. I all whenever I am filling this briefly catch up section of our show notes, I'm I have to delete some of it because there's just always so much going on. I'm like, okay, we're not gonna talk 15 minutes about catching up. So I gotta I gotta rein it in. So first of all, I have a question for you. So pages five. Uh, Shay will be five very soon. Her birthday is October 6th, four days. Oh, wow. So exciting. So has Paige, or I'm sorry, has Shay started asking you yet about things that her friends at school have and or things that her friends at school's parents do? For example, Paige came home the other day and asked if I could put funny jokes in her lunchbox, like one of her friends at school. Has she started doing that yet? No. I feel like it is maybe it's kindergarten that has started this, but it's like every week there's something new that she wants because one of her friends at school has, or that she wants me to do because her friends at school's mom or dad does. I'm just like, oh my gosh. So it begins. (laughs) I see the level of want going up. I,
1: for example, two examples, we'd ran way too many retail errands on Saturday and Mark was in India. So it was just me and the girls and taking them through the stores. I want this. I want that. Mm. I want, you know, and Piper is then catching on at a much younger age as well. So it was everything from makeup to, um, nail polish to lips, chapstick to food, you name it. And then I think the other thing I noticed, um, With the want that well, this is more of like a demand or not a demand, but a a strong opinion is we just had that for dinner. I'm like, whoa, sister! Like,
0: (laughs) yeah. So I guess
1: I guess the wants are just a lot more verbal,
0: (laughs) and the opinions, their opinionated. Yeah, Yeah. okay. So I think
1: it's probably pretty par for the course, but.
0: Yeah. I'm expecting it to only get worse, but I just, I'm going to have, I'm just going to get better with my answers. And, and honestly, I can remember doing this myself as a kid. I, I can specifically remember, I can think of five things right now. I won't name them, but that I asked my parents for because my friends at school had them or wanted my parents to do that. My friend's parents did, for example, be a I always wanted my mom to come uh, volunteer at school like my friend's parents did, Mm -hmm. but she was working all the time. So she was never, I mean, she did a couple of times, but she was never one of those people who was always in the classroom. And when I was really young, I wanted that because a lot of my friends' parents or moms did that. It was usually moms. Mm -hmm. And so I know it's going to start and I, yeah, it's to be expected. All right. So so moving on to so well, mom funny. guilt. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. And I and thankfully my job is one that I can certainly do more volunteering at. And I think yours is probably like that, too. You'll be able to find time for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there's going to be other things that, you know, they're going to make us feel guilty, which, you know. It'll come, and um, I think I'm for prepared. working parents, it's just hard to switch, especially in the middle of the day. Like I, I'm
1: thinking back to last week; it was like Montessori Appreciation Week or something. I don't know. Wow. And there, I had a patient scheduled during this peace walk that they had, and so I didn't put it on my schedule even. And then ended up my patient canceled, and all of a sudden mm. I was getting these texts coming in from one of my mom friends that was sending pictures of my kids, and I was like, man, like I could have made <sighs> it, but I think when for me, I just flip into like work mode, and I, I, mm-hmm. I honestly. I'm not going to say I don't think about my kids during the workday, but they're mm-hmm. you know it's 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 kind of like me time, and it yeah. it's it's definitely not distracting me to have uh, children when I'm at work for the most part. So I don't know.
0: Right. Yeah, I agree. I felt terrible about it though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a shame. That would have been more fun than just sitting around and killing time. I'm sure you had stuff to do. But. Yeah. Okay, so moving along, Cycle Bar is, okay, so I, I don't think I'd ever heard of Cycle Bar. I believe it's a franchise. It's similar to like an Orange Theory uh-huh. where it's basically a spin class. And it's, so you cycle and then you have a bar on the bike, like a weighted bar. I believe it's 5 and 10 pounds that you use in the, in the middle of the class. So I gave it a try because they were doing a free week at a new Cycle Bar that went in about a mile away from my house. I'm a big, I'm really into, as you know, we've talked about the spin, spin I call him a spinner. What do you call it? The, the, what's the uh, real name? It's not a spinner. You made fun of me for that. Like, I don't know, like a spin bike? Yeah. Is there another name for it? Yours is Peloton, but a spinner. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't there another name for Michael Crazy? Such a dork. (laughs) Okay, so anyway, I want our listeners to
1: confirm that you are a dork calling it a spinner, but I love it. It's so cute. What do you
0: call it? A bike? Like like a
1: spin bike?
0: A stationary bike? I don't know. Okay, it's not a stationary bike though. There's a huge difference. I feel like I do not like stationary bikes. Okay. I like you like spinners. I like spinners. (laughs) Okay, I am a nerd. So anyway, I tried this class. I really liked it. I ended up buying a like a five time pass, not a month pass, but uh, you get five you get to go five times because I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm proud to say <laughs> that out of the 30 people in the class, I came in third. <laughs> nice. I was very proud of myself. Uh, the one thing I didn't like about it, though, is that I didn't really feel like the class was true to the name. So it's called Cycle Bar. But the, the class was 45 minutes. And I'm not even kidding. We did the bar for two minutes. So I asked them if that was typical to only do it for two minutes and they said it's anywhere from two to five minutes, which I was a little bit disappointed about. I would have thought at least 10 minutes out of a 45 minute class, but yeah, I don't know. I'm still going back. So
1: that's cool. Yeah. Is it any more affordable than orange Fairy, orange theory?
0: I felt as though the, they didn't lock you in. I feel like orange theory, they make you buy a bundle whereas mm-hmm. I liked this. And I could be wrong. I haven't looked at Orange Theory in a while. I felt like with this class, I was able to buy a certain amount of classes that I could use whenever I want. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not locked in for a certain amount of time or I'm, I'm not given an amount, amount of classes that I have to use within a month or two. Yeah. So I kind of like that. And it's close to my house. Orange Theory just isn't close by or else I probably would give it a try. But I think that the, the price is probably comparable. Okay. Unfortunately. Okay, so and then lastly, I just wanted to, since we're talking about soy today with regards to breast cancer for National Breast Cancer Awareness Month in October, I just wanted to kind of talk a little bit briefly about my skin care issues or my skin issues since having two kids. So I was on birth control for, I would say, from age 17 through when I decided to start getting pregnant or trying to get pregnant with Paige in 2013. That was a long time of being on birth control, and I went off of it. I had Paige. I actually ended up getting an IUD um, before having Cameron. Had to have that surgically removed because it got stuck inside me. had Cameron and then decided that I wasn't going to go on anything ever again. I wasn't going to have an IUD. I wasn't going to go on birth control, and so Nick had a vasectomy. And lately, I would say in the past six months, I've just had terrible... I, I don't want to say terrible acne. It's really not that bad. I mean, relatively speaking, I'm just used to having perfectly clear skin, having been on birth control for so long. So I would say I probably on on average each month get, I would say like six or seven zits all congregated and, and focused in one section, like my jawline. And it just, you know how zits are. I mean, mm-hmm. I know, it's just, I cannot, I can't stand it. It's all I see when I look in the mirror um, and I don't wanna I don't wanna sound I don't know, like I'm I this is kind of a I don't, a vein, but but I don't like the zit. So I thought, okay, maybe I should go back on birth control. So I talked to my OBGYN, I told him about my history of uh my family history of breast cancer, which isn't great, really. I have as in it's not very, I would say, um it, it's nothing that I should really be too concerned about. My grandma had breast cancer and she was actually over the age of sixty, so it's not too concerning but I still think about it. And so he said it was fine to put me on birth control. He wrote me a script and then I did my own research and decided that it just wasn't worth the risk. So I wasn't going to, you know, risk increasing my chances of birth control, or I'm sorry, of breast cancer, which it does increase just for my, my vanity basically. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's some good research on there. I'm happy to share it with anyone who's listening about how much your, your chances of getting breast cancer actually does increase when you use birth control. Some might say it's insignificant, but a lot of research actually shows that it can go up to about 24% when you're on birth control. So it just wasn't worth it to me. Uh, so instead I'm just going to have a a meeting with, or I made a, I scheduled an appointment with my dermatologist instead. So hopefully he can give me some clear cut, uh Uh, resources or, uh, I don't know, something to put on my face that will make the zits go away or prevent them from happening during my BMS um, two weeks during the month. So (laughs) we'll see. It's women. bad. It's like we just get up.
1: It's like we are nasty people with zits and unpleasant to be around. Then we bleed for a week and then we have like one week off and like rinse, repeat. Um, It's
0: so true. Although
1: I guess I should be glad for my 41 day cycle and my stupid PCOS. But so mine's oh. a little bit less uh, terrible.
0: Well, yeah. And in other news, my my periods only last about two days, which I know is amazing. But now, you know, Cameron looks at my face and he'll point out my zits like, what's that? What's that? You have a boo-boo? I'm like, gosh, <laughs> darn it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's super cute, but yet so annoying. So anyway, that's my birth control update. I'm not going to take it. I, I do have it, but I've decided not to take it. All right. So what's new with you?
1: Well, it's funny you say that about zits because I have two right now. Like they are not. Extreme by any means. I had terrible Mm -hmm. acne growing up. Like, I know acne, uh, but you know, children always paint those kinds of things out to you. So, um, okay, I have a really quick, funny Piper story. And for all my friends and family that are listening to this, uh, they're going to be like, oh my God, she's telling the story, but I think it's so funny. Um, It rained all of last weekend, and Piper's my child that compliments everything on, you know, she's just very complimentary. And she put her hand on her hip this weekend, and she was like, oh my mom. I love your rain jacket. It's so black. That's what she said, and she like saunters off. I'm like, you're three. Like it was so funny. But uh, I was talking to my best friend today, and she's like, "Do you have one of those apps where you record some of that stuff?" I'm like, "No, but I should do that. I should definitely do that." Um, yeah. She's just she's funny. So they've. How would you have
0: recorded it? Like just writing
1: it down, like a memory type of like app to record kiddisms or whatever things they say that are funny
0: Um,
1: but we've officially picked out our Halloween costumes so it's October 2nd when we're recording this and Shay has decided to be a veterinarian and Piper has decided to be a kitty they have no idea that that actually coordinates it makes me super happy they're really easy outfits and I'm like cool got it so that's that's done yeah check the box
0: Um,
1: and okay so two other things one huge thing uh, it was kind of breaking our hearts that Shay, so my oldest, who's going to be five in a couple of days, she was not potty trained overnight. She, We just kind of chalked it up to her being a really deep sleeper. And she was mm-hmm. waking up almost... I mean, her pull-up was wet more nights than not. And uh, Piper, we got moved into a big girl bed last weekend. And that really just got to Shay. I think. I think she was putting together, my younger sister is able to do this overnight and I am not. And since that time we told her if she kept her pull-up dry for five nights, she could go into panties. And she has been in panties, I think it's either four or five nights without an issue. I don't know if it was just a mental, you know, flip for her that Piper was able to do this and she wasn't. Um, I'm not saying we're completely out of the clear, but this is, this is huge success. So we're like knocking on the door of no more diapers or pull-ups, which is huge. Um, you're not, you're not that far off, Gina. Um, wait, (laughs) wait, Cam is potty trained. Yeah,
0: I know. Cam. I know I potty trained Cam before he was two and a half. I don't even through the night. No. So he still wakes up with a wet pull-up, Okay. I'm going to start probably doing that in the next. Actually, Nick and I were just talking about it probably in the next three or four weeks. We're going to just pull the plug. Why not? I mean, I I really feel like once we take I think it's kind of a crutch at this point. He knows it's on him. He knows it holds his pee. So he pees. (laughs) It's really just laziness for me because he's still in a crib. I don't want to have to wake up in the middle of the night and bring him to the bathroom. Eh, So it's really just pure laziness on our part.
1: Yeah, Piper was just able to hold it. Like she we didn't even have to try. She just did it. It was it's pretty amazing. Um Yeah, that's how Paige was. Yeah, I mean some kids just struggle more, I think. Uh I agree. and then the last thing was we had our the kids birthday party 2 weeks ago, I guess. 2 or 3. Anyway. Um and we had it at the local brewery. I don't think I already talked about this, but we Did I?
0: I don't think so. No, I don't, I don't think so. huh
1: So we had it at the local brewery they and it was a family birthday party, if you will, where the parents were invited to stay as well. So we had pizza and salad and cake and all that uh, for the kids and kind of some planned activities for them. And it's a real, like, it's the one we met at when you guys came the first night, the outdoor Mm -hmm. one. So really great outdoor space. And then we had open bar for the parents. So it was just really fun because the parents seemed to enjoy it just as much as the kids. And nice. um, I hope I started a new trend here in Southwest Michigan and having kids birthday parties at breweries. Um, with we'll an say, open
0: bar. With an open yeah. bar. Yeah. I'm like, come on, people.
1: Uh, if your kids so, are going to have
0: all the friends. I'd be like, go be <laughs> friends with Piper and Shay. <laughs> it was funny. And it was
1: like no gifts, like absolutely no gifts. That mostly worked. Um, yeah. But I just really... I, I want to try and dissuade the one, one, one stuff, um, as mm-hmm. much as possible. So
0: anyway, mm-hmm. all right. Should we jump in? <laughs> yes, we can. And if you hear knocking, I, I believe that Cameron is above us knocking with his hammer. Oh. Hopefully he stops anyway. Okay. Continue. <laughs> uh, well, I
1: was actually pleasantly surprised at how little our rappers were in the background of our protein bar episode. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't sound bad at all. I was I like, oh, this is going to be bad. It's going to be in the microphone, but it, it seemed fine. Yeah. Um, So let's jump in. Soy.
0: Would you agree that soy is somewhat of a controversial food? Yeah, oh, yes, definitely. Some of the comments I hear from people about soy. Yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So we wanted to do just a kind of a cursory kind of overview of soy and all of its controversy in kind of recognition of breast cancer awareness month in October here. And we wanted to just kind of break down some of the science, both for and against soy consumption. So we'll kind of break down five myths surrounding soy and health, but first uh, just a little bit on soy uh, as a food. And so it is a complete protein. And I think that is probably one of its most, uh, (laughs) its biggest gold star. And it has Mm -hmm. a very high concentration of isoflavone. So um, is that how you say that? Isoflavone?
0: Yeah, that's how isoflavones. i it. That's how I've said it. Yep.
1: Cool. Um. So soy is very high in fiber and pretty unique uh, as a vegetarian source of of protein that it has fatty acids that can be converted into omega-3 fatty acids. So other than flax and chia, there's not a whole lot of vegetarian omega-3 sources. Can you think of any others?
0: Flax, chia. No, I'm sure there are others. Walnuts. I can't. Walnuts, good one. Yeah, the ALA, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: canola oil. Um, that's pretty mm-hmm. processed. Um, anyway, so it's it's pretty unique in that way, and it has pretty strong anti-inflammatory and antioxidant properties. So that's kind of its uh its claim to fame there. But soy isoflavone um, sources kind of are most concentrated in less processed soy foods, such mm-hmm. as soybeans. Uh, tofu, soy milk, soy nuts, tempeh, miso, edamame, soy flour, textured vegetable protein. So some of these foods are known to a lot of people, but not necessarily staples in the diet. So I think that's it. it, maybe yes, maybe no. Some people definitely eat um, tofu and soy milk, I would say, and tempeh. largely in, the, in their diets and definitely the textured soy protein as well. So probably more of a focal point in the diet for vegetarians and vegans, but uh, we definitely consume some, some of those foods. And so the question really becomes, what is a serving of soy? Because those foods are all very, very different. Um, it's not right. one size fits all as far as serving size. But the definition is of a serving is really a portion of a food that contains about 25 milligrams of isoflavones. So traditional soy f- soy foods um, contain about three and a half milligrams of isoflavones per gram of protein. So an ounce of protein is um, I'm sorry, an ounce of um, like meat, for example, is seven gram or an ounce equivalent of a protein mm-hmm. source is seven grams of protein. So that would bring you right about that serving size of 25, a little bit over. But um, so standard serving sizes of some of those common foods would be like eight ounces of soy milk, a half a cup of cooked soybeans, um, a half a cup of tofu, kind of like cubed up, uh, a third of a cup uh, or one ounce of soy nuts, just to kind of give you some ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know that's a little bit on soy and um isoflavones as far as servings but what are these isoflavones kind of known for um and the good is heart disease prevention osteoporosis prevention as well as reduction in bone fracture so those are big um particularly the heart disease most americans die of heart related complications mm-hmm. uh so Yes, we all die of something, but heart disease, if we can, you know, push that off as long as possible, that's always good. Um, and the absorption of isoflavones is why it varies very widely. It varies widely um, based on the gut flora. So I think there's a lot of research coming up in nutrition now about really the importance of gut health. I mean, all of the the role of prebiotics and probiotics and, um, you know, those microvilli in our gut and just really how do we promote that? That system, if you will, and just recognizing that it's unique in every individual. And so, for that reason, the absorption of those isoflavones has been shown to be pretty variable person to person. Um, And things such as antibiotic use are also going to affect that um, absorption. So, oh, and one other comment isoflavones um, are almost exclusively produced by members of the bean family. Um, And so, that's just kind of an interesting fact. So you're mm-hmm. with soybeans, of course, being the highest. Um, and a lot of those isoflavones, the bad, uh, can act as phytoestrogens in mammals. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that.
0: Okay. Yeah. And, and do you want to touch on, or I, I can even just talk about it. So there is a health claim for soy itself. So sometimes when you're looking at a food label, you might see something that contains soy as a main source or is mainly made from soy. So so many things contain soy. They can't necessarily have this health claim on it. But if it's something that is mainly made from soy, it could say something along the lines of soy protein as part of a diet low in saturated fat is heart protective. It could help lower your total and LDL or lousy cholesterol. And I did kind of see, just researching on this episode, there's been some controversy over that health claim. And the FDA has actually reevaluated it to see if it still holds true and if the research is still supporting that. And just from what I've read, they have uh, basically done a large review on all the research and there's so much out there and they and that health claim does remain. But I I think some people still question whether whether it should. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, it's. it's so hard to say because there's, there's a lot for and a lot against, I, you know, I think it's probably a recency effect type thing. And I I, I think there's just,
0: this is a controversial topic. I, I
1: think yeah. a lot of the research leads to confusion.
0: Yeah. I think, I think in my personal opinion, it's important to note that it's that the health claim says as part of a diet, low in saturated fat. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about eating a lousy diet and then adding some soy protein to it and oh, you're safe. It's, Actually replacing some of that saturated fat, like beef particularly, uh, with a soy protein food like tempeh or tofu every once in a while could be protective. I think that's the main point.
1: Yeah. I I had um, kind of below our myth busters here is just kind of some food for thought. And I think it aligns with that nicely is just that some of the mm-hmm. benefits from soy may come from the whole food source itself because of other nutritional perks such as fiber. And then also things that can't always be accounted for, you know, just variables in research that aren't, you just can't remove all variables. And so things like just research would show that those who consume soy tend to have more healthful plant-based diets. Mm -hmm. So I think there's just kind of those X factors that would support that health claim, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Or make it or shine it in a light that would be more supportive. Right. Right. Supported, I guess. Not supportive. <laughs> Supported. We get it. <laughs> um, yeah, that is interesting, though. Uh, so kind of jumping into these myths here, we really relied on today's dietitian, which is, I call it my Bible. I mean, I don't I know how it. you feel about it, but uh, it's a really nice, concise, uh, published uh, magazine. Is it every other month, Gina? I think. No, I feel like I get one every month. Oh, it is every month. Okay. Uh huh. Well, maybe I only read it every other month, but, um, yeah, it's, possibly. they always have the most beautiful food photography of, I mean, fruits and vegetables. And it, it's just a really nice, um, resource for dietitians or anyone mm-hmm. else. So anyway, know yeah. that it's out there. It's called today's dietitian. Um, and they have a website as well as, um, you know, in print. Uh, That's
0: right. The website's really helpful too. If you don't want to, mm-hmm. if you cause you can find most of the articles on the website. They also have good recipes on there too. I actually just cut one out today. Did you? I, did. I tried yep. a ton of the recipes. Um, it, it's, they have a lot of ethnic stuff
1: in there too, like ethnic Mm -hmm. cuisines and recipes. And um, I always learn something. So I thought they did a great job of summarizing and really representing kind of the pros and the cons. Um, And so just kind of want to break it down. So myth number one is uh, all soy products are made from genetically modified organisms or GMOs. And so while... That is largely true. In 2013, 93% of US-grown soybeans were genetically modified. And so what is a GMO? Do we even care? And according to the World Health Organization, a GMO is an organism in which the genetic material has been altered in a way that doesn't occur naturally by mating and or natural recombination. So it's it's a little loaded. Um I don't know, Gina, what are your thoughts on GMOs just personally?
0: Yeah, I I feel like it's it's, this is a pro and a con, but Mm -hmm. there's just not that much research out there. So I'm still sort of wondering, are they good for us or are they bad for us? And until we see the research, I just don't care too much about them, Mm -hmm. which I realize is probably not smart because, you know, the research could come back and say, oh, they're terrible for us. It's causing cancer or whatever. I highly doubt that because the research I have seen has been really good. Uh, and has really supported its use. And I think mm-hmm. that there are so many benefits to GMOs beyond just, you know, making new foods. I mean, mm-hmm. it's helping third world countries yep. in so many ways. And I just think I feel I do not I'm not concerned that in the future that's going to come out saying that something is bad for us. I mean, hell, I just found out that the medicine I've been getting my daughter has some type of carcinogen in it and they're pulling it from the shelves at CVS. So, so GMOs are truly the least of my concern. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, to your point, like a lot of farmers would say, how do you feed the world without GMOs? Um, you know, I mean, all of the animals eat plants, like it is outdoors. It is in the wild. It is subject to, you know, the elements, all of those things. And so how do you grow crops that are resilient enough to mature to the point of harvest and how do you have adequate yield not only to one support your family i mean this is a business for these people duh but also how do you feel feed the world without those types of things um right where i get a little bit confused is kind of some of the boutiquey foods so like the pluots you know or is that that's yeah like some of those crossbred um i mean does that fall within the gmo
0: category I, th- I think it does. I think it does. But there, there's definitely a difference. And maybe actually with this discussion right now, I think we should probably do an entire episode on it because I could <laughs> probably learn some more. I do believe it falls into the GMO category, but it's a little bit different. There's like a different way they splice the gene. Yeah. Um, it, there's different types of GMOs. Yeah. But I do think that's considered one. It's
1: science, though. It's, it's it really science modifying um, p- plants, if you will. To, mm-hmm. or seeds uh, to do something unique, uh, mm-hmm. is g- gaining some type of a benefit. And often that is so that they can thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we just have to recognize kind of the the good in that as well. But mm-hmm. that is technically a myth. Anything that's USDA organic um, is going to be void of GMO. So right. Um, right. that is, and, and if you look it, it, many labels will say GMO, um, GMO free. So right. look at that and and realize that you can definitely consume soy without consuming GMOs. Right.
0: You can buy, you know, organic or even non-organic, but non-GMO, tofu, mm-hmm. tempeh, yep. uh, many soy products. We sell them where I work actually. And I think it's even fair to say the the majority of tofu at least is organic. Uh, I would, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know. Yes or no. Hmm. I have no, no opinion on that. Okay. Would, yeah. I'm trying to think of what brand I grab, but it's organic. We don't uh-huh. sell organic where I work, uh, but it is non-GMO. Okay, cool.
1: So, yeah. Um. Okay, so myth number two, which is probably the biggie here, is eating soy increases breast cancer risk. Mm-hmm. Um. And so that's kind of the a are, are real hot topic today. And so just some statistics on breast cancer. It does strike one in eight women in the U.S., and it's the second most common cancer uh, in U.S. women. And it is true, as we've already said, that phytoestrogens found in isoflavones are capable of exerting estrogen-like effects. So this is this kind of a, you know, similar to your birth control. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, there are estrogens in birth control. We know that. Like straight up estrogen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Some are a blend, but yes, always estrogen. Well, Um, right. Yes. It it usually is a blend, but I mean, you're getting straight up estrogen, not just estrogen like compounds. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Very true. Um, however, there are also non-estrogen-like effects of isoflavones, such as the antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties, that can really work in other ways to reduce cancer. So, I think the the proposal here is, or you know, just the question that's raised is, while there may be some, I don't want to say cancer-promoting, but questionable uh, links to cancer with the the phytoestrogens uh, exerting that estrogen-like effect, is that there are um, counteracting uh, benefits mm-hmm. to the isoflavones. So while research isn't conclusive overall, it suggests that um they are neutral or protective, yeah. with the exception of soy protein powders. So I mm-hmm. think that's huge. Um, soy mm-hmm. consumption appears to decrease breast cancer risk, especially in pre-menopausal women and in those who consumed soy before and during adolescence. So mm-hmm. in my research kind of preparing for today is really the earlier in life that soy is introduced, that's where the positive benefit can be seen. Introducing it after, you know, that, that menopausal period is, is where the it becomes a little bit less clear whether there's a positive effect um, and does it tip towards a negative.
0: I wonder if there's ever been any research on infants who are fed um, soy-based formulas and whether they have a decreased risk of breast cancer. I've not seen anything, but I wonder if it's out there.
1: Well, we didn't run into that, but we did learn um, that populations Mm -hmm. – uh, I lost it in our notes here, but um, the- populations that
0: may be cautioned with soy intake.
1: No, it was. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm jumping ahead because there is. I'm sorry, we have a section on soy formula. I apologize. Oh, we do. Um, okay, yeah, a little bit. Um, okay. but populations that may be cautioned with soy intake, um, are those diagnosed with estrogen receptor positive breast cancer, um, or survivors and those at high risk of breast cancer. So those with uh, family history, uh, Mm -hmm. all other risk factors, overweight and obese women, physically inactive, heavy alcohol consumption, and Mm -hmm. those who did have children, but who did not breastfeed for more than six months. Uh, So that six month mark is really where the positive um, effect is seen for breast cancer reduction and then low serum D levels,
0: um, vitamin D levels. Yeah, so those are all reasons to, th- those all increase your breast cancer risk. So are not breastfeeding for six mm-hmm. months, having low serum yep. vitamin D. So what they're saying then is that those populations who have those risk factors should be cautioned with their soy intake, which is interesting because it's also saying that soy could be protective against breast cancer. Mm-hmm. But if you have the other risk factors, you might want to be cautioned. So mm-hmm. that's where I feel like it gets a little bit dicey. Well, and it says may be cautioned.
1: So I think they're being selective with their words. Um, They're not, you know, they're not
0: two feet in. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. They're being cautious. Yeah, I get it.
1: So if you fall into one of those categories uh, with a family history, if if you were diagnosed with an estrogen receptor positive, um, you know, breast cancer in the past, um, Mm -hmm. those those types of situations are ones where you may want to pump the brake sense away. It may not be worth the risk to you. Uh, But overall consensus, so they looked at this research, looked at basically all the major cancer research institutions. And the consensus statement was that two servings of whole soy foods per day are safe for everyone, including breast cancer survivors and those at high risk.
0: Yeah. And so that really highlights to me, I think, actually, what I remember learning in graduate school, which is soy foods themselves are actually very beneficial. But where people get into trouble is, like you said, Things that are very concentrated soy, like soy protein powders and soy supplements, because mm-hmm. I feel like for a long time, soy supplements were more popular, you know, really concentrated doses of soy for maybe hot flashes or mm-hmm. whoever, whatever else. Um, and I think that's what that, that consensus consensus statement is really kind of saying is you really shouldn't be afraid of soy but definitely I would steer clear everyone of a soy supplement, including soy protein. Is that kind of how you're mm-hmm. you know, yeah. reading this? Yeah. And I look at that unless you,
1: unless soy milk is your milk of choice, mm-hmm. I feel as though getting in two servings a day is a big stretch for most people.
0: Oh, and you're saying two servings a day, unless you drink soy, because that would make it an easy thing to do. Yeah. I mean, unless if you drink you, soy milk, yeah. Yeah. If yeah. you have
1: soy milk, let's say in your cereal and um, maybe a glass later, I mean that mm-hmm. if soy milk is your, is your milk, you know, alternative of choice, um, right. cow's milk, alternative choice. Mm-hmm. I could see where getting two servings a day would be kind of a slam dunk. But I think of myself, for example, like in, in my house, we don't have soy milk on the regular. So for right. us, I mean, our our sources are probably going to be like edamame and tofu. I mean, those are probably right. the two biggies. And it is highly unlikely that we would have both of those foods in the same day. Not, oh, right. never, but um, do you think you guys ever consume two servings in a day?
0: No, 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 no. Well, again, I really can't eat those foods because of the FODMAPs, oh, and okay. because of the, the gas that ensues. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say normally it's, it's someone who is, I would say the group that probably consumes the most as might be obvious, is vegetarians, mm-hmm. vegetarians, yep. vegans, because those are really good sources of protein that are not animal based. It's two yeah. of the best. Yeah. Omnivores so, are probably not in that bucket. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely get soy in my uh, veggie burgers, mm-hmm. but I rarely eat tempeh and, and tofu.
1: Yeah. Just interesting. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean that, that research is probably even more important to, like you said, those in the vegetarian vegan family. Yeah. For sure. um, okay. So myth number three, soy causes feminization in men. So I've always been curious about this one and this was mm-hmm. just a great time to research it. So what today's dietitian kind of shot out at us is that any, and they capitalize human reports coming mm-hmm. from men consuming high doses of soy and they put in there three quarts of soy milk a day. Oh my gosh. That's a lot. Um, <laughs> That's, that's where these feminization uh, cases were coming from. And interestingly, the effects were reversed when the soy was discontinued. Okay. So that's very interesting. Okay. Uh, so
0: they're saying that three quarts of soy milk per day actually did cause feminization. In men. And by feminization, are we talking like they started to develop breasts? Is yeah, that what we're talking about? It didn't specify, but I mean, that's what I'm guessing. That's what I've heard. Yeah. You know, I mean, people, that's the only I'm, thing
1: that really seems to. Yeah. That would hey, be the most I can,
0: obvious, I think. Uh, change. If I can drink three quarts of soy milk and start growing breasts, I would be down <laughs> for that. <laughs> Free breast implant. <laughs> yeah. So when the soy is
1: rever- you know, when the effects are reversed, are they kind of left with flapjacks? Like yeah. you oh, know like, that? I don't know. <laughs>
0: Oh my so gosh.
1: I'm not sure, but um three quarts a do- day is probably ill advised. Um I okay, common yeah, sense, right? For many reasons. Oh my lord. It's, it's like
0: myth number two that we yeah. just talked
1: about. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. This is like right up there with like caution contents may be hot on like a cup of coffee. Yeah. Um and uh this is this part is interesting though. Isoflavone supplements nor soy affected total or free testosterone levels in men.
0: Okay. That's so. important. Yep.
1: I'm going to tell people
0: that when they, when they tell me about the feminization fears. Okay.
1: Yeah. So it's not the testosterone that gets messed with. It's all that estrogen like effect. Um, So the, the, yeah, I guess those hormones can just get out of, out of whack with extremely high intakes of soy. Yes. Um, Okay. Okay. So myth number four is soy phytoestrogens inhibit thyroid function causing hypothyroidism. Um, And so I had heard that before. Have you?
0: I have, yes. Well, I do know that when you're on Synthroid, you Mm -hmm. cannot take Synthroid with anything with soy in it. So that's, I knew something was going on there. Yes. Yeah. And I haven't heard the hypothyroidism thing. No. No,
1: I'm curious. Mm -hmm. No soy if you have hypothyroidism?
0: No, I've, so when you're taking Synthroid- The medicine, if you take that, you can't take it with soy. You know how a lot of supple or um, medications will say, do not take with such and such food. Yes. It says on the bottle, do not take with soy. Okay. Interesting.
1: I know enough about Synthroid to know that it's also supposed to be taken on an empty stomach. I believe it's at least 30 minutes, but you're supposed to take it at least 30 minutes before your first meal of the day. Mm. Um, And it may be upwards of an hour upwards of an hour, but I know for sure it's a minimum of 30 minutes. So I think what the research was saying is that you shouldn't have anything in your stomach because having anything in your stomach, soy included, duh, it's a food, mm-hmm. is going to lessen the effect of the medication. So right. any type of thyroid replacement hormone should be taken on an on a empty stomach uh, as directed. Okay. So that's interesting. Um, so I don't know that that's specific to soy. That's specific to any food. Um, Right. That's my understanding, at least. And then only okay. very high doses of soy, and here's that thing again on supplementation, may induce clinical hypothyroidism in a minority of patients who already have subclinical or kind of borderline slash undiagnosed hypothyroidism. Yeah. So it was really, you know, very high doses. Again, they didn't specify mm-hmm. that. Are we talking three quarts? But there was. It, it looked like it was really just a, a matter of time, if you will, a predisposition to hypothyroidism and soy just kind of tipped it over the okay. edge there. Um, so soy is not going to induce hypothyroidism basically. Um, <laughs> false myth. Um, and lastly, number five, soy based infant formula. Here we go. Can disrupt I'm sorry, I totally this one. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Um, disrupt growth and reproductive development. So, Um, basically the consensus was there's no convincing evidence that healthy infants fed soy based formula are at greater risk for adverse effects than
0: those fed cows base cows milk based formulas. I had never heard this myth before. I was actually asking. I mean, I, I still, am wondering if they have a, a a study that looks at soy or soy formula fed infants to see if they have reduced, Mm -hmm. um, instance instances of breast cancer, but I've never heard. That it could disrupt growth and reproductive development. Have you heard that before? No, that myth. No. Okay. Uh, I just, but
1: I think we talked about it on the last episode. Or, but just that soy is high in fat, and right? I, I don't know, not it's fat containing at least. And so, sure. as a as a replacement, if a child has a dairy allergy, soy is a natural choice. I mean, yeah, your options are pretty limited. Um,
0: and and the the formulas. They add extra fat to it. So it, mm-hmm. you know, is similar, at least to breast milk mm-hmm. and to other formulas. So I don't understand that um, that thought process very much. Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. I think there was a quote from the article
1: that really said summarize my sentiments anyway on soy and the dietitian's name. I'll probably butcher it was Carol meer chair. Mm hmm. Yeah, we're going with it. Um, But she said soy isn't a miracle food, but it isn't a villain either. And I love that. I mean, that's just a very balanced approach to soy. And it's kind of one of those things. uh, If you like it, do it. If you uh, don't, cool, but probably Mm -hmm. don't overdo it like most things in life. Exactly. Always comes back to everything in moderation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So my question, Gina, do you feel strongly for or against including soy in your diet?
0: Yeah, probably everyone can guess. My answer is no. I don't feel strongly either way. I I do think that if my family history was a little bit stronger with breast cancer, I probably would avoid it. Uh, just because, again, going back to the GMOs, but this is a little bit more serious in my opinion, there's, there's research that goes both ways. I've seen a lot more positive research with GMOs than negative, a lot more. But with soy, it always goes back and forth. So If I had a history of breast cancer, like you talked about, or if I had a greater family history of it, I probably would be more cognizant about at least not avoiding soy, but watching, reducing it a little bit more than I do. Uh, I just really, I don't think too much about it. Uh, So, yeah. But also, to be fair, I am not a vegetarian, I, like I just said, do not eat a lot of tofu or tempeh because I, my body just can't handle it because of the, the GI symptoms that occur. If anything, you know, I do eat a veggie burger probably three times a week. Would I do that if my family history was greater with, with breast cancer? Maybe I wouldn't, Uh, but it's not very great. And I don't have any of those other risk factors of breast cancer. I did breastfeed for more than six months mm-hmm. and I don't think that I have a heavy alcohol intake, but I, like I said, in previous episodes, I am <laughs> also starting to watch that a little bit more and I'm not overweight. I'm active. So yeah, no. So to answer your question, I don't, don't have strong feelings where I'm at currently about mm-hmm. limiting my soy. Yeah. Value.
1: Yeah. I would say the same. I don't, I'm combining questions one and two here. So um, okay. yeah. as, as yeah, you did, um, <laughs> that's cool. Um, we, I do not have a family history of um, breast cancer either. And so I would say our soy consumption is fairly limited. Like I said, adamame, tofu, uh, we definitely include mm-hmm. uh, Morningstar Farms, Boca, that type of uh, product that likely contains soy. Not all of them do, but many of them do. right? Um, and And the Impossible Burger does too yes yes it Which does I found out uh the hard way
0: <laughs> well no no because remember <laughs> after our last episode you asked me what was in them and I thought I was an idiot because I'm the dietitian at a university where we sell both of those and I was like oh my gosh I should know this uh no I didn't find out the hard way no because because really the really highly processed soy that's found in usually veggie burgers doesn't tend to bother me as much as like yeah. straight up tofu or tempeh or miso or edamame. Yeah. Because it has less isoflavones
1: because it's processed probably.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. See,
1: I learned something today. So smart. Okay. Well, whenever I was preparing for this, but
0: yeah. (laughs) Cool.
1: So what are your um, mom wins
0: favorite new products or recipes? Yeah. So I want to first go back. So during our taste test with the bars, I tried, if you recall, I tried the Omega bar and I specifically remember you saying, mm, I like this. And I was over here gagging. I mean, I literally could not drink water fast enough because I tasted fish oil in the bar. Uh-huh. OK, yeah. I think I got a bad bar because then I ended up getting your package ended up coming. I'm serious. Three days later, I think actually recorded that it was which was like what a week after it was supposed to get here. Uh, so I ended no, up receiving more than that. It
1: literally took three weeks for UPS to get those. <laughs> Dang bars to you,
0: <laughs> yeah. So of course I ate them. So the, one of the omegas was in there, the same one that we had tried before, and it was delicious. I mean, I shouldn't say delicious. It was good. It was edible. I ate <laughs> it. Was it. I, I, I don't think I would buy it again. But so I just want to say, I think I got a bad one. But I also don't think that's good if there's a risk that you could be getting a bad one because I'm telling you, it tasted like straight up fish oil. So I think it just went rancid or something. Mm. Uh, but the one that I tasted from you was was actually good. And then also my student, Casey, who I feel like I talk about on this podcast constantly. I feel like I'm her best friend now. Like, I love her. (laughs)
1: She's like buds on Instagram. I'm like, Uh, I love her.
0: She's pretty amazing. I like, she's one of those people that when she, when she graduates this year, I don't know what I'm going to do. Anyway, Casey, we love you. Mint chocolate, perfect bar. She brought me one today because she heard me say that I like anything mint chocolate when it comes to bars and really just any flavor of mint chocolate. I just really love. So she's the one that got me on the perfect bar. So she brought me a mint chocolate one today and she said she didn't really love it. It was so nice of her. She gave me the other one she had because she didn't really like it. And she said, maybe you'll like it. I took a bite. It was okay. It wasn't as good as I was hoping. So mint chocolate, it was a limited edition flavor. I was hoping for something a little bit better since we love the perfect bar so much. Uh, It wasn't Quite what I was expecting, but mm. I will eat it. I will not buy it again, though.
1: I've had several different flavors of Pre- Perfect bar since our uh, episode, and okay, let's see. I'm obsessed. Oh, you're going <laughs> to ask me which ones? I don't know, but I okay, okay. At Aldi, I literally bought every one that they had, every different flavor. I have to go
0: to Aldi. I have to go back since they're they're so cheap there. Okay, I know. I forgot you said that.
1: Yeah, and I mean for me because I am overweight. I. I'm not looking to have a 700 calorie breakfast every day, but, um, mm-hmm. they, I, I pair that with a, like a 100 calorie yogurt. And cause I found, I posted it on our Instagram. I'm obsessed with that yogurt. Um, it's so good. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm.
0: And you're going to ask me what it's called. I don't remember. Um, I, but yeah, I it was like sage or something or mm. uh, it's something with a G in it, but it wasn't Fa Yay. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe we'll go back and put it on our highlights because you can go back and on our story. Yes, I'll do that. Put it on our product highlights. Okay, I'll do that.
1: Um, But my win was weeknight barbecue chicken bowls. I'll link it in our show notes. But basically, it was chicken and barbecue a little bit. I think there was lime juice, some pineapple chunks uh, in the slow cooker. And then you served it with quinoa and tomatoes avocado fresh pineapple it was delicious Mm, and the kids loved it um they were really into it that was it was perfect they loved it all so that Uh, i'll post that recipe that was a big win uh and then as far as read the review i can't read one but we did get a five-star review so
0: yeah very exciting because we did say we don't care if you don't write anything, as long as you just fill out the star. I, I it was like, "Damn, Gina I was like, "I want them to say something, so I know who they are." I know but words are okay. always nice, but we will take anything at this point. So thank you so much. We sound so. All right, desperate. so <laughs> <laughs> well, we kind of are. <laughs> hey, it's cool. This is people. When we asked other podcasts what they did for reviews, they told us just to straight up ask. So that's what we're doing. All right, so coming up on October 13th, we will be dishing about healthy eating and how it isn't perfect. A great topic for our 30th episode and um, a sort of guide into the holiday season. Until then, keep in touch with us on social media at Dietitians Dish Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. Also, please tell your friends about us. We'd really appreciate that. They can find us on numerous outlets such as Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. If you listen on iTunes, as we just said, please be sure to leave us a review. We promise it only takes a few seconds and you don't even have to write anything. But of course, we love it when you do. All right. Until next time, everyone. Be well. And Nicole, I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon, Gina. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening for the podcast. Bye-bye.